It's great to be back. It seems like it's been longer. I think because of COVID and all this, it's just dragged out the years. And so uh, it is uh, it is good to be back, to be uh, visiting churches again. And, yes, we do go back at least to 2001, possibly even more. And, you know, as you said, we haven't aged a bit. Mm, not a bit. <laughs> Um, for those of you that may not know who I am, the doctor in front of my name is because I'm a veterinarian. I had a practice in Tomahawk, Wisconsin, but I left that back in 88, so it just shows how many years. And I've been traveling since uh, 1982, February. So this next month will be 40 years of travel. You know? And uh, uh, so getting a little harder, a little bit more joints problems, but basically I'm still doing great, and God is just blessing us and blessing me and hopefully, well, I know he is blessing those in other countries that are persecuted for their faith. And I say they're, they're, it's, it's a blessing because they consider it a blessing. And if you read in uh, James and, and so many places in our Bible, it talks about persecution is normal for, for, for those who follow Jesus Christ. As he suffered, we should expect to suffer. And that uh, it is a privilege to suffer for Jesus Christ. All I can tell you is that the people I meet when I go overseas and they have been imprisoned, they've been tortured, just all the different things that they have had to endure, their faith is so strong. And now it's going to be 40 years, and still no one has ever said to me, please, pre, please pray for us that the persecution ends. I say that every time because someday it's probably going to happen, but no one has ever said to me in 40 years, please pray that the persecution ends. But they do say, please pray for us that we will remain faithful. And, uh, and they are. And they tell me over and over again how they feel our prayers, especially when they're imprisoned, especially when they're isolated and alone and are suffering, that they know that the body of Christ is praying for them. And it came to mind that as they suffer, and they're, well, as they suffer, Jesus suffers right with them. And we are part of that body of Christ. So as Jesus is suffering, we are suffering, but in a, in a different way. Uh, there's a little bit of persecution here, but not much. And certainly we don't, for the most part, risk our lives just to come to a church. But uh, so many of the churches that I visited in Egypt, in uh, Middle Eastern countries, have been attacked on our special days, like Christmas or Easter. They are attacked and machine uh, people with machine guns come in and just you know just begin shooting and men when bombs too men women ch children die just simply for going to church so aren't we blessed to be here and not be afraid that that's going to happen here so this morning what i'd like to do is tell you about some brothers and sisters that have asked me to ask you to pray for them and uh, i know i do this every time but if you can find a place on the bulletin or something to write down some names then uh, uh, maybe you can take those home and as a family before your meals, pray for them or put it on your refrigerator so you'll remember to pray for these special brothers and sisters. You know, when I first started this 40 years ago, about 60% of the world does not have religious freedom. Today it's estimated 74%. It's getting worse instead of better. And, of course, you see that just in, in politics. You see that in wars and civil wars and everything that's going on overseas. And economies crashing and dictatorships, you know, it just, it's gotten worse. And uh, I guess uh, until Jesus comes again, we will continue to suffer for the sake of Christ. 
I uh, want to tell you about Maddie. I'll spell, it's a, a lady. I'll spell her name, M-A-D-D-I-E. Maddie is uh, actually a medical student. She lives in Egypt in a, in a kind of a rural area, and she was going to medical school, and she was just about to take her final exams to become a doctor. She, like all of her Christian friends, they went to church every Sunday. But if you can imagine this, especially here, I can kind of see it. Every Sunday when they came out of the church, young Muslim men, mostly young Muslim men, would stand in a row and throw rocks at them as they would come out of the church. And this one guy came up behind Maddie with something like a brick and hit her in her head. She went down. The uh, people at the church were able to get her to the hospital, but she suffered brain damage. Even now, she, she shakes when she walks. She lost a lot of uh, memory, so she wasn't able to take her final exams. But the good news is, this was almost a year ago that uh, our friend Pastor Jack just visited her, and she is doing better, and she is going back and studying. She's studying. Uh, I don't know if that means she's going back to the school or just studying at home, but there is so hope. But can you imagine just to go to church and know that when you come out, you're going to be pelted with rocks? So be praying for Maddie for full recovery and that she can achieve her goal of becoming a doctor. Now, here's another lady I want you to be praying for. She lives in Jordan. Her name is Binti, B-I-N-T-I. Now, Binti means my daughter. That was the name I gave her. Uh, These are not actually their real names. Uh, We want to protect them. But Binti, uh, a Muslim, living in Iraq with her husband and her two children. And um, when ISIS came... Her husband fled to Jordan, to the country of Jordan. He got to actually had papers like a passport. He could just get on a plane and fly to Jordan. But Binti and her two children did not have any documentation. So they had to flee on foot. They literally walked for weeks, weeks to get to Jordan. And uh, once they were there, uh, she's considered a refugee. She can't, supposedly can't work. She's doing a few things like cleaning houses, but she basically can't work, so she didn't know how to support her family. So she was going around with the two children, going into these apartment buildings, big, tall apartment buildings, knocking on doors and begging. She knocked on our friend Labib's door. Labib is head of the Bible societies, and some of us know him. Labib um, and his wife invited them in, found out what was going on, found out that her husband, who was in Jordan, had abandoned her and the two children and had married another wife. So uh, they began supporting her, and now we're supporting her to keep you know, a roof over her head and to we bring food supplies. Last time I was there and visited with her, we literally brought food packages from the, from the market. So uh, uh, she was a Muslim, but one day when Labib and his wife visited her, she said, Labib, guess what? I've become one of you. And he said, oh, Binti, you don't have to become a Christian just because we're taking care of you. And she goes, no, no, no. I read the Bible that you gave me, and I want to follow Jesus Christ. So she is now a new believer, two children. You're going to see their pictures this morning. And just keep praying for her uh, because Labib, our dear, dear Labib, died in November. And so uh, the work will go on because we can get monies to her through the Jordanian Bible Society, but uh, she has lost a, a real, real, uh, I don't know what you call them, helper, encourager, mentor. Well, now, Dora and Andy are children. Dora and 
Andy. Uh, their dad's name is Joe, and he works, uh, oh, I'm sorry, we're back in Egypt now. He works by going around and picking up basically garbage off the streets, and then he brings them to a recycle plant, and, you know, they recycle, and that's how he makes his money, which, if you can imagine, isn't very much money. Dora and Andy both have vision problems, probably genetic, have vision problems. And yet when Christian kids like Dora and Andy go to school, it's a public school, it's really, as they run by the principal is Muslim, the teachers are all Muslim. Dora's teacher knew that she had trouble seeing. In effect, she wanted to read, she had to do this to get that close. And he put her in the back of the classroom so she wouldn't be able to see the blackboard. She would fail, basically. We found out about the situation, and we were able to get both Dora and Andy to optometrists and and got glasses for them. They're not... Um, she still has, she's not perfect, but she can read much better and she can see the blackboard now. But this is what kids, Christian kids, face in the school systems, persecution of the kids, because they're, they're a minority in most of these countries and they're considered second-class citizens and, uh, you know, it's, it's a major problem for them. So um, be praying for the children uh, of the Christians who also face discrimination, persecution, um, I think I mentioned the last time I was here, a young boy, Jacob, who was, he uh, asked a Muslim kid to, to move. Just, could you move two inches so I could see the blackboard? The teacher heard it and uh, yanked poor Jacob out of his seat, dragged him to the front, and lashed him 40 times. There was blood. There was screaming. I mean, this is what the kids face. So we we really want to blanket them. Again, they don't ask that the persecution ends, but these are children. We want to protect them as much as we can, and prayer is powerful. Now, um, you have a clipboard right in front of you, uh, but you can pass it across the aisle. This, these, who's got the clipboards? Who's got, all right. Uh, these are simply sign-up sheets for the prayer letter. You're going to have to tell this guy. He's not paying any attention. <laughs> Um, these are sign-up sheets. Many of you have been on the on the prayer letter list for quite a while, but after three years, and it's been three years since I've been here, the the church, or sorry, the computer will bump you if there's been no activity. So if you haven't gotten a prayer letter in the last month, then you've probably been bumped. If you want to continue to receive prayer letters, just sign up again. And uh, the clipboard should go across the aisle, not the aisle, sorry, across your pew, and then back to the next person, across and back, because we have clipboards in all three sections, so they don't go across the aisle. What I wanted to tell you, though, that's important, we send out these prayer letters. You got these today. Uh, we send out these prayer letters. The email is only for emergencies. In other words, you you can't sign up just with email. You have to give us your address so we can send these to you. And the one I have, and some of you have that, we have been talking about Labib. Here's Labib, um, memorial to Labib. So uh, he was uh, uh, Binti's friend. So to receive the, because we can't, we can't send pictures via email. You know, it's just too dangerous. It could get spread all over the place. So you need to get these so you can be praying. And I know you're a praying church. I know you have been praying. You've been involved. So what can I say except thank you? No, thank you for everything you've done. Now, I mentioned a fellow by the name, or maybe I didn't yet, Pastor Jack of Egypt. I've known him since 1991. I wanted to tell you what he does to distribute Bibles in Egypt, because that one young man, he's not so young anymore, but that man has distributed probably 
hundreds of thousands of Bibles and New Testaments over the last almost 30 years. Well, yeah, 30 years. And so uh, he doesn't stand on a street corner and pass out Bibles. He's in Egypt. If he did that, he'd get arrested. But what he does do is he seeks out funerals and he seeks out weddings. Uh, now, let's take as an example. Christians in his neighborhood, uh, their daughter is going to get married. And it is customary to send out invitations, not by mail, but literally just going from door to door. And this is included, Muslim and Christian are invited to the wedding. And so Jack said to the uh, father of the bride, he says, um, you know, uh, and you have to give a gift. He says, uh, why don't we use New Testaments? <laughs> we'll use the New Testament. They're flat. You can put the invitation inside the front cover, and Muslims will not be offended because they know it's a Christian wedding. And yet, they're getting the word of God at each of these weddings. And the same thing with funerals, the same idea. And so uh, Jack has distributed not only personally thousands and thousands of these New Testaments with the invitation inside, but also he's got a whole network of people all through Egypt now, Christians, who are getting the New Testaments, looking for weddings, putting the invitation inside the, the New Testament, and passing that out. So uh, aside from the fact that um, he has conferences which we support and he brings boxes of Bibles that he gives to the participants. They take those boxes of Bibles back to their villages. That's another way Bibles get out. And he's just, he's just tremendous. And now book fairs. He has gotten permission at uh, books are important over there in the Middle East. He's gotten permission to uh, bring Bibles to a book fair and he has to sell them, but he sells a Bible which would normally be, it costs $10 to produce. He sells it for a dollar. And New Testaments for 25 cents. So people can afford it. And uh, what's really interesting is this book fair is almost all Muslim people wandering around. They come up to the Bible Society where Jack is with his Bibles. And they kind of look like this. And they walk by. Then they look again. And they walk by. Then they kind of go back and say, here, here's 25 cents. Can I have one of those books? So uh, uh, most of the Bibles and New Testaments that go out in these book fairs are actually from uh are given to muslims so the word of god goes forth and the word of god is powerful muslims have told me repeatedly that they came to christ because of reading our holy book and it's the holy spirit that convict them that it was the truth so amen yeah so we're uh, we're really excited about that well let me tell you about one last person that you can be praying for actually it's a whole family but I first met this young man, uh, his name is Suma. I guess like Suma wrestlers, is that right? Suma. Suma's a little guy, shorter than I am, and um, very poor, lives in a really crummy area. Uh, what he does for a living is he has a donkey cart, no donkey though, just the donkey cart, and he pulls that around and he picks up metal that he finds on the street and he brings that to the recycling place and that's how he supports not only himself, but he's got a sister that's not married, a mother and a grandmother, and you know. So he's got a lot of people that he's supporting. One of his sisters married, and married a uh, nominal Christian guy by the name of Ebel, E-B-I-L. And Ebel was approached by a Muslim gang who said, hey, we'll give you like $5,000, which is a huge amount of money there. We'll give you $5,000 if you sign papers and become a Muslim. And he wasn't really a believer, you know, I mean, Christian name only. So he signed those papers and became a Muslim. And then the gang said, we want you to um, uh, give us your three-year-old daughter so we can raise her also as a Muslim. And he thought that was a good idea. 
And he went home to get the daughter, and the wife found out. Her name is Miriam. She found out, so she and the daughter went into hiding. So then Eba went after the whole family. Suma's whole family went after them, accused them of all sorts of crimes, accused them of trying to kill him, and so on. They all ended up in jail. Uh, they were abused in jail. And they were not 12-year-old girls. They went to jail, and finally they were released. And you know, So they went into hiding. And that's where I first met them, the whole family, in a, in a shabby little apartment, concrete bunker, really, where they were living. And Grandma was sitting on the floor, and she was crying because she had lost everything. I mean, when they fled, they had to leave everything behind. So she was crying. I was holding on to her. And then um, now we find that she's in poor health, and they've had to move again and again and again. It's just horrible for this family. And that Ebel will not give up. He's still after his little girl. So just recently, like last week, he found out because, you know, the Muslims talk, and not all Muslims are bad, but this is that Muslim gang. And they found out where she was living, where Miriam was living. So Eba went to her apartment building, stood outside, waited for her to come out. And once she was on the street, where all sorts of other Muslims could see what he's doing, he attacked her with a knife. You'll see pictures of her in the probably the March prayer letter. He sliced her, her face like this, her nose, her head, her hands, defensive wounds, I suppose, 156 stitches. And nobody would help her. Because he said, she's my wife, she's trying to raise my daughter, I'm a Muslim, and she's trying to raise my daughter as a Christian. And so everybody sided with him. So they're in hiding yet again. So be praying for this family. This is a life and death situation. I pray for their safety, for some peace in their lives, and I just pray that Ebel will come to know the true Savior and will stop this vendetta. So you have a lot of people to pray for. And uh, what we're going to do now is show you a short video so you can see the faces of the people. There's no picture of Ebel, though, but uh, a picture of Suma and Dora and Andy and Binti and Maddie, people that you can be praying for. And as you get the prayer letters, they come out about once a month, you'll have more people that you can be praying for. And prayer is not only important to them, prayer is powerful, and it really does help them. So be praying for them. I thank you for your prayers and for just being a part of this ministry for all these years. Oh, I'm supposed to mention, I don't know how you're going to do it, but love offering today at the door? Okay. And uh, this would be, I will tell you, 100% of what you give today, no pressure, but 100% of what you give today goes directly overseas. None of it is for administrative costs or anything like that. 100% will go directly to your brothers and sisters. And we are supporting people like Maddie and others so that they can continue to, to live, really. Uh, but uh, if you want to make out a check, you can make it out to news service. You can even say Dr. Pat. It all goes into the bank. <laughs> the bank takes it all. <laughs> so thank you very much. And, of course, I'll be available afterwards. Plus, it'll be fun to hear some preaching. It's about time. All right. Thank you. And uh, why don't we go ahead and we probably have to turn off. Maybe not. Probably don't have to turn off the lights. But let's go ahead and start the video.